Hello and welcome to episode Mike Hoffman of the Cosper Pointcast. I'm your host, Colin Cudmore, and we're back with another episode of Draft Debaters. If this is your first time tuning in, each episode I'm joined by two fantastic scouts, uh, each who have released a ranking of prospects for the 2020 draft, and uh, they'll each discuss some of their most differently ranked players. So last episode I was joined by On the Forecheck's Eric Dune, as we discussed some forwards available in the middle of the first round for maybe the Sens uh, with the Islanders pick. But today I'm joined by two more excellent scouts, both of whom you may actually remember from last year's Draft Debaters series. So, on my virtual left, he is the hockey YouTuber you know and love. Welcome to the show, Will Scouch. Will, Hello. how's it Hello. going? Oh, it's great to be here. I'm, uh, I was excited to do it last year, and I'm excited to do it again. Awesome, Will. Really happy to have you back. And on my virtual right, you have an excellent opponent today because you can catch his writing on ESPN. Welcome to the show, Chris Peters. Chris, how's it going? It's going great, Thanks for having me back. Uh, this is a fun, fun thing to do, and you know, I think this year is uh, there's there's plenty to to debate, plenty of intrigue. So uh, yeah, excited to do it again. Totally. Well, and I were just talking a bit before the episode about like just how deep this draft is and how much talent there is to talk about. So I'm excited to dig into a bit of that today. Um, but yeah, again, welcome back, guys, because uh, you're both on the show last year on separate episodes. So uh, really glad to have you back. So uh, just a little bit before we begin, a little refresher on the episode format. Uh, I've scoured your lists and opinions and found four prospects who are fairly disagreed upon between both of you. Uh, then you'll each have a chance to state your position, uh, plus a short chance to rebut afterwards. So it's all in good fun, and I've been really looking forward to this episode. So uh, let's begin with the first prospect of discussion today, and that's uh, Noel Gunler. Based on, um, so just based on the sources I've seen uh, tracking this year, um, no single prospect has been more divisive than Gunler. Um, just in general, he's a Swedish winger playing for, um, uh, how do you say that name? Lulea? Playing for Lulea? Lulio. Oh, Lulio. Okay. Yeah, yeah. believe it or not. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. So, uh, just a bit about, um, where he's expected to go. He's expected to be around the middle of the first round between, uh, 9th and 21st is his current expected range. Uh, but, but between your guys' rankings, well, your, um, your current list has him just outside the top 10 at 12th. Uh, whereas Chris, your latest ranking has him down at 30th, although you're also far from the only one with Gungler outside the top 30. Um, so I just want to start with Will on this one. Um, so you had an excellent video about a month ago all about Gungler. So um, I'm just wondering what parts of your assessment of him uh, make you high on him? Sure. So the way that I, the general methodology around what I do is I, I watch games, but I also track the data that happens within those games. So I was really interested in Gundler because, you know, everyone had this idea of him being left off the under 18 team last last spring uh, and wondering why. And all of he has he carries a sort of reputation with him. And, you know, I'm always fascinated by guys who carry reputations or guys who are statistical outliers or, or whatever. And so Gundler was one of the first guys that I wanted to look at this year. And what I found was that, you know, yes. Like some of the things people were talking about with him in terms of inconsistencies and potentially uh, maybe a lack of focus from time to time uh, and just some games being much more invisible than others. Uh, you know, it, it intrigued me, but when I watched more of him and started tracking more data, yes, he shows some weaknesses, but considering he's playing in the SHL full time produced like he did uh, and and the data that that, that came out, uh, you know, he's he is heavily an offensive leaning player from what I've seen. Uh, but he's not one of these sort of undersized offensive players. I think he's a good potential two-way guy. He's big. He plays physical if he needs to. But again, that was one of those things that was inconsistent. Uh, but when it came to when the puck was on his stick and, and moving it up the ice with control in a men's league, uh, he did a very, very good job. And his shot attempts against rate, uh, especially high danger, uh, were actually pretty good. So in terms of playing a solid defensive game, uh, the data is there that he is when he's on the ice, you know, not bleeding dangerous shots against. Uh, he's not perfect at all. I think he could do to, you know, be more of a central playmaker passing option on his team. But in terms of a puck carrier uh, and, and getting shots off in dangerous areas on his own in a men's league, I thought he really outperformed what I think the public expectation is. And considering he's inconsistent, he still drove the results that he got, which were very positive, uh, especially relative to the other two, you know, uh, top end Swedish guys available this year. So, you know, I expect him to not be a guy that goes in the top 15, but 
you know, anywhere past that, I think he would be a, a good bet because of the talent that he's shown. Yeah, it's interesting. You mentioned the inconsistencies, and I feel like that's kind of what what's fed into a lot of the uh, general divisiveness in his consensus rankings so far. So over to Chris. Um, what about Gungler's game makes you just a bit lower on him? Um, well, I think some of it that Will touched on for sure. Um, obviously, uh, it's not just the on ice element as well. I mean, I think that the 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 Swedish teams did not leave him off off their rosters because of the way that he plays. Um, I think that that's part of. Part of the thing, uh, they were going to give him a chance at the U20s uh, in the winter uh, after the World Juniors um, to, you know, to kind of get him back into the fold. And then, unfortunately, he got hurt, so he couldn't play. Um, and that would have been interesting because I think that they wanted to at least give him a chance to kind of redeem himself. Um, you know, he, he made some comments in the media about the U18 coach, about how much he was going to regret, uh, you know, cutting him. And uh, then they won the gold medal. So, uh, you know, so that unfortunately didn't help his case. Not that I would say that uh, that had anything to do with uh, his not being there. I think he could have certainly helped that team. And I was certainly hoping to see him there uh, just to get some more live looks. But I think, you know, the other thing that, that comes to mind with him is, is yeah, I think the inconsistency for sure is, is a big factor. The, the fact that he can disappear into games, the fact that he has, you know, the size and strength to compete, but he doesn't always use it. Um, you know, I think that there, there have been a lot of concerns, you know, just about, you know, what does that say on top of the other things that provide a little bit of risk? And I think, you know, when we're in the, the, the fact that we're in the public sphere and that we're not picking for teams, um, I try to put myself into the position of a team and say, okay, what, how much risk am I willing to take on? And, and that's, and I'm, I'm certainly one that would likes to take chances. I don't think that, that he has shown enough this season to prove that he's worth the risk. Like say, you know, like a lot of the same kind of conversations were happening around Ryan Merkley, although to a much more significant degree, but he had, you know, the, the, the way that he played was able to, you know, say to at least to the San Jose Sharks, we're going to take that risk and, and we'll see if we're, we'll see if we're rewarded in the long term. And we're still waiting to find out if that will be the case. So, you know, I think for, for Gundler, um, the, the tools are there. I mean, like certainly the skating, the skill, I think that they're all right where they need to be in terms of, you know, a first round talent out of the SHL. Um, but, you know, w- what worries me is, is, you know, you look at the different ways that, that his ice time fluctuated because of, you know, I think a lot of it was earned in terms of, you know, when he wasn't have when he wasn't playing well, the ice time got taken away and I, you know, he's not as engaged. Um, I think the, the fact that, you know, he, he just didn't have, uh, I, I thought his production was fine. I, it could have certainly been a lot better. Um, I don't think it was anything to say, oh, well, this guy is absolutely a lock. But, but clearly, I mean, I still obviously have him highly enough to be in what would constitute my own first round. Um, and so I think that that's another thing that, that you know, for me, there's, there's enough there to take the risk, just not anywhere um, ahead of a lot of other players that I have. Uh, ranked ahead of them, and I, and I think you know as I when we have more time with the the actual you know depending on when the draft actually is, you know the more that I watch, the, the less comfortable I become with him. Yeah, it's interesting you bring up risk because I mean that's kind of the way I like to approach draft analysis personally is just weighing out the risks, and I mean every pick is a risk to some point, mm-hmm. and I guess uh, especially how it applies to Gungler can be pretty relevant in this case. So. Uh, over to Will. So talking about risk and inconsistencies, and there's even some quote-unquote attitude problems that came up. Um, I'm just wondering whether you think, one, these kind of things are founded, and um, if they are, how much you find that you take those things into account? All I know is what I've really read. Um, you know, I'm not going to pretend like I'm extremely tied into exactly what's going on behind the scenes. All I know is, you know, I'm interested in how the players play in the game. I do think that there is a factor in terms of overall team play that that you know certain types of people can have different effects on other teammates they can make other teammates better or worse depending on their own play their own attitude their own you know presence on the team I I do think that 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 matters to a certain point but you know I'm looking at Noel Gundler and looking at the results that he's getting on the ice and you know what Chris is saying is perfectly reasonable and I agree like I I think that there is risk uh, and like Colin, you said there's risk with every pick. But my interpretation of risk, to 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 be perfectly clear, is you know I'm 
I don't really think about, I, I don't really fear risk. I don't think, I think I, I think I've learned over the years to say, what is the player presenting to me when they're really going and what is preventing them from really being their best all the time? Uh, you know, I, I am, and in my video work, I try to really highlight where the player can fill some gaps in their game to improve, no matter how nitpicky it is. So with Gundler, I don't know how founded the, the attitude-based things are, but in terms of the impact of that on his team, even if it is a bit of a negative, he still drove very, very good results. And I mean, I'm just, I'm just going back and forth between Gundler and the data that I tracked on Alexander Holtz. And there's a lot of data on Alexander Holtz that you know, I could easily highlight and say I would caution teams in terms of, you know, his his play, especially at five on five. You know, there's a lot of things that you could highlight that Noel Gundler, to be frank, blows him out of the water. Uh, and if there is a player that has maybe attitude issues or might or might be inconsistent and, 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 and be an issue in that regard, you know, someone like an Alexander Holt also fluctuated in ice time quite a bit this year. His five on five play was really hit or miss. His shooting, I think... In the seven games I tracked, he took one or two shot attempts from outside low danger areas. So he's he's a scorer who's shooting from areas where you're not often going to score, which maybe that is something that translates. But someone like a Noel Gundler is getting to more dangerous areas. Uh, he is sending more passes into the slot area than Holtz was at five on five from my tracking. Part of that might be the quality of team difference for sure, um, but it is nuance. And if I'm looking at the results and looking at how they're generated and how I'm ordering my list of players, I can't really in good faith from a data argument say that that Gundler should be that much further back than someone like an Alexander Holtz. Like Lucas Raymond, I think, of all three, shows the best results, I think shows the most potential as a hockey player. But, you know, Gundler isn't extremely far behind the rest of them. And, and I don't know how much of that might be attitude or, or a lack thereof, but I focus more on what they show and where I think it could go in their game if, you know, things break right. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. You, you bring up the high danger shots as well. And I, I guess uh, something that really hasn't been mentioned really yet is, is just how great of a shot Gunnar has as well. I mean, just from watching him uh, to uh, his, his shot is definitely one of the favorites, at least for me, that I've been watching this year. But another thing I just wanted to bring up that I think is, is partially relevant to Gunnar's assessment is that he's actually one of the older players in the draft, which... Uh, I think it might have been lost a bit in in some of the discussion around him. I mean, he's even a little older than Alexis Lafreniere, closer to the cutoff date. So, um, just wondering for Chris. Uh, so there, we have all these factors. There's the shot. There's the data. There's the risk, and there's like the age. And, and uh, balancing all these factors again, how how do you find um, that affects your perception of him? Yeah, I think the age is one of the biggest separating factors between him and Holtz for me. I mean, like I think that that's that's one of the things that I'm looking at in terms of. You know, if we're going to look at those two players that are playing in similar leagues and, you know, have a similar skill set and things like that, I think that, that I, I, I certainly will, will look to the age as, a, as an upside factor and, and why I'm so much higher on Holtz than I am on Gundler. Um, and I think that the other thing, you know, getting back to kind of the, the, the character and risk assessments, I mean, like, that's one of the things, like, I wish normally, like, I could talk to, to Ryan Merkley and I, normally I'd be at a, in, in a position to to talk to Gundler, um, you know, at, at an event or something like that, where I can, you know, at least kind of look him in the eye and talk to him a little bit. So you have to kind of go off of what, you know, what sources within the Swedish Federation it's, ha, have said, how they felt about him, um, you know, how, 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 why they, they didn't want to have him as part of the team. And, you know, it, it was mostly attitude because they didn't think that he was going to have a big enough role on their, on their roster and that that could cause problems uh, for the team. I don't think that it's would have been as much of an issue with Lulio uh, as either, uh, just because you know he's a rookie. There are veterans that kind of can can tamp that down in terms of you know setting an example and other things like that. Um, I haven't heard any you know really poor reports coming out of Lulio uh, as opposed to from from the Swedish Federation. They just didn't even really want him near their team, um, which is you know until until they had a lower stakes event. Uh, like the five, uh, the U twenty four nations that he was going to play at. So, um, so those are a couple of things that that are that are kind of mixed into the to the factor. And I and I think you know to Will's point, it's absolutely you have to you have to the the on ice component is always going to be uh, greater. But I expected a player like him um, on a roster that had you know high quality, good you know he was playing pretty solid minutes to 
to produce more. I know that that sometimes that can be luck based and other things that, you know, I, I, so that was another factor that I'm just like, you know, why, why didn't we see much more production from him uh, this season? And um, that's, so that's, that's the other thing that kind of comes back to it. I mean, I haven't seen, you know, anything to me that says this guy is a lock to be a first round draft pick. He has the, you know, aside from, you know, just judging based purely on skill and the, you know, the eye test as opposed to the, you know, it's nice to hear the, some of the numbers that, that Will's put together um, in terms of his five on five play. And I, I, I would certainly say that that's, that's a, a potential separating factor for him uh, with Holtz who, who still needs to vastly improve from his play away from the puck. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I just think you have to take in all those different things. And when it comes down to it, you know, if the numbers were different, if there was a bigger, if there was a higher level of production, if there was some level of, 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 uh, you know, kind of, if I could see more from him, like, you know, I mean, like you look at, I was pretty high on Nils Hoglander last year. Um, and he had similar production, similar, you know, kind of there, there was, there was a lot there that I liked, but I, I just feel like, you know, what I could see, he's much more skilled. He's much more, you know, even though he doesn't have the size he has, you know, I think he's a more intelligent player. So there are a couple other things and you, you, you know, you try and compare those players in similar leagues. And when I continue to do that, that's when I felt like I didn't see Gundler stacking up as well um, as opposed to some of the other players that I've been able to track over the years and in, in these, uh, in these, in the Swedish hockey league in particular, and, and at his age as well. Yeah, interesting. I mean, there's so many factors to balance for Gungler. Um, But the second prospect I want to talk about today, uh, we'll move on to the WHL with a defenseman in Braden Schneider. Uh, he's a right shot defenseman, uh, which could on its own make him a target for the Sens. But uh, Schneider plays for the Brandon Wheat Kings, where he's gained some um, he's gained some notoriety there as a lauded kind of two-way player. Uh, he currently sits on the fringe of the first and second round with an expected range between 20th and 43rd. Uh, but you both have him a bit outside that range. Chris, your ranking has him uh, pretty high up at 18th, whereas Will, you have him uh, over 30 spots lower at 53rd. So uh, let's start with Chris this time. Uh, what has you convinced of Schneider as a first-round talent? Well, I mean, I've had, had a good opportunity to see him live a few times, and just the way that he engages his gap gap control, his ability to uh, defend uh, the physical side of his game, the mobility, I think they're all all good, solid tools for him. Um, offensively, I think he showed improvement this year. I think there's the, you know, he's got good vision, good, good, good ability to move pucks up the ice. Um, I think he's really solid positionally in both zones. Like he, he anticipates well, um, the, the factor that I think kind of puts him over the top for me is that I don't think this is a very strong class of defensemen. Um, I think that they're, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I think that this draft has talent. It has some depth. I think really when we get, for me, as far as I'm concerned, once you get past about 16 on my own board, I don't see a whole lot of gap between 18 and, you know, it going down into the forties. Um, and so like, to me, I don't think that there's a significant gap for him uh, against really anyone else on my list um, uh, in that, in that range that I just mentioned. So, you know, I think that of the defensemen that I've seen, you know, I think that the clear top two, you've got, you know, you've got uh, uh, Drysdale, you've got, Jake Sanderson. And then to me, it's kind of a hodgepodge coming after that. And I felt like, you know, based on what I had seen, Schneider had been the guy that, that kind of separated himself in terms of the way that he defends the, the physical game that he can play his ability to jump up into the offense. And he's not super, super skilled. He's not going to dangle guys one-on-one, -on -one, but I think that he's put in good, good positions to produce. Um, and I like the way that he anticipates. I think, again, it comes down to, that, you know, I think we're, we're looking for a different kind of defenseman in the NHL right now, but there's still a value. Um, and I think, you know, there's a, there's a conversation that you can have of looking for stars versus looking for NHL players. Um, and I think that there are very few locks, locks to be stars in this draft, but I do think there's quite a few NHL players. And I think that Schneider is one of those guys that projects more comfortably for me, given the size, uh, the, the right shot, the, the physicality, the two-way play. I think they're both, you know, his defending is stronger than his offensive game for me um, in terms of, you know, the just the mechanics of it um, and the positioning and the, and the anticipation and those things. So that's what I feel like, you know, Braden Schneider among the defensemen in this draft, 
um, is, is kind of towards the top for me uh, in, in what I think is a pretty weak class of defenders. Interesting. And yeah, you, you mentioned that he, he kind of fits in that tier of around 18 to 40 for you. And I guess this kind of uh, hard rankings can kind of sometimes walk a bit of that nuance, but uh, that's still some high praise for Braden Schneider. So over to Will, uh, what has you less convinced of him? Well, so again, I, I focus more on on tracking events that happen on the ice. And, and Braden Schneider really strikes me as one of these guys who, you know, will just get drafted before I would absolutely take a look at him. Like, I agree. I think this year's draft is light on defense. But in my opinion, that doesn't mean that defensemen should be elevated beyond their, their talent level. I think this year's draft is extremely deep in terms of forward talent, uh, scoring talent, you know, and, and there's a lot of interesting options. Um, with Braden Schneider, to be more specific, you know, in the games that I've tracked him, I found his passing ability to be among the worst defensemen of, of all defensemen that I've tracked so far. Um, you know, completing 70% of your passes as a defenseman isn't great. Um, you know, and, and that's about where I have him. Most guys are up above 75%, especially in junior hockey. Men's hockey, it gets a little lower as well. Um, but, you know, I agree. Schneider is a decent enough skater. Uh, he can maintain those gaps pretty well. He is amongst the better players in terms of shutting down controlled zone entries, but that seems to also be, you know, that that they that he's not facing a tremendous amount of them in total. And when it comes to moving pucks up the ice, uh, he's not maintaining control a whole lot of the time. He's he's you know preferring to dump it a lot more than I would like. And I feel like unless you have a a, a very very fast offense that's built around dump and chase in twenty twenty which I think is less and less common. I find it hard to see Braden Schneider as a guy that personally I would look at in the first round. I look at defensemen, you know, in the first round, a guy like William Wallander, like he's a guy who is going to give coaches potentially aneurysms once in a while, but his natural skill set of skating and puck movement uh, and, and an offensive game that where he can jump up into a rush, which is what more modern defensemen tend to do a little bit more of, you know, and considering that Wallander is almost a full year younger than Schneider, you know, might indicate to me that that is a defenseman where I would take a risk in the first round and say, let's bet on the on the actual talent that's on paper. Again, not a perfect player, but I and maybe Schneider's a better bet to be an NHLer. But in terms of being a more successful player, there might be more risk. But I think the tools are better with a more aggressive offensive defenseman who can skate like a guy like Wallander. And, you know, we talked about age with, with Gundler being a factor. Well, Braden Schneider is a guy who, if he was draft eligible last year and had the season he just had, I, would it be a guy who I would have wanted in the first round last year? Maybe towards the tail end, if I'm being optimistic, but be, you know, but, but considering the talent available in this draft and, and like Chris said, I, I agree from the mid first to I'd say even beyond 40, I, like the end of the second round, I think is a real blender. And I have Schneider towards the end of that range simply because I just don't think he plays the style that personally I like. And the data that I've tracked on him indicates that, you know, when things get ramped up after, you know, he's going to be a one more year in the WHL guy. And then what is he, a, is he an AHL defenseman? And what happens, you know, if he doesn't take big strides next year in terms of what I'm tracking, you know, in terms of suppressing shots against, he's, he's again, one of the worst defensemen that, that I've tracked. Um, so there, there's a lot, I think, of people identifying defensemen and, and you know, isolating the guys that, you know, he was invited to World Junior Camp and, and you know, really, you know, focusing on these guys. Whereas when you really dig into what's happening when they're on the ice, there might be a little bit more to be desired, especially if you're looking at him in the first round. Yeah, and, and you guys both kind of alluded to this, but um, I mean, especially uh, he's he's kind of the opposite of Gunler in in terms of just the risk assessment uh, for for uh, just in the way he plays, and especially as a defenseman as well. So, uh, Chris, I'm just wondering how that may tie into um, your evaluation of Schneider, just because uh, if, do you find that he's more likely to be an, an NHLer in that kind of sense, and whether that just um, bumps him up your rankings just in terms of that uh, risk. Yeah, I do. I, I think I think so. And I, 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 I disagree. I don't think this is a deep draft. I, I really don't. I, I don't think that uh, I think this is much closer to an average draft. Um, and and so that's that's another factor. Like, I, I think there's a lot of projecting that we have to do with a lot of the forwards, which is which is fine. I like doing that. I think that there's 
that some of the guys that we have in this draft are are have skill. But I I, mean, I think that we have a lot of flawed players in this in this draft. A lot of guys that are going to take and and that includes Schneider. I mean, you know, and I think Will touched on some of the things that that are that are problems. Like he, I think his mobility is fine, but he doesn't have the prettiest stride. No question about it. I don't think that there's great north south speed there. I think he gets to where he needs to go, and I, I think his game is largely, um, you know, kind of geared towards the positioning and, and kind of anticipation. That I think that he has that, that I think are plus plus schools uh, plus skills for him, um, and, and I think you know it's inter- It is interesting to hear the data. I mean, I think you know, on especially on defensemen, um, you know, when it comes to dumping or carry-ins or controlled entries and things like that, you know, I think that you have to also kind of consider what, what's asked of that player, what, what is asked of that player? What, what does a coach want him to do? And I agree. Like, I wish that most junior teams didn't dump pucks in, but it happens. Um, and, and, you know, I think Brandon has had some talent up at four at, at forward where they wanted to get the puck into those guys hands a lot more. Um, and so like, you have to, you have to take that into consideration as well. I think that, you know, what, what he, what he showed, especially like, you know, you, you can't put too much weight into the, the world junior camp in the summer, but I thought that it was, it was instructive to see how he played against elite players and the way that, you know, the way that he was able to defend against elite players, the, the tone that he was able to set. I thought coming out of that camp, I thought he was going to make that Canadian team. And then obviously I, I mean, I had no problem with the, the, with him not making it based on who they were able to, to, to have there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he is one of those guys that, you know, to me, just the, th- we, we want mobile defensemen. We want guys that can move the puck. There just aren't that many in this draft. And I also think that you still, there's still a value to heavier defensemen to guys that can, can, you know, provide a physical, you know, a physical tone can, can break up plays, can break up zone entries. I, I don't think he was, I'm guessing that a lot of teams tried to stay away from him on zone entries, um, you know, based on, you know, and again, I, I appreciate the tracking work that will does because it can actually, you know, detail that much more, but um, you know, when we're looking at the, the, the full list of guys here, I just see a player that, that has, has much more projectable NHL talent than some of the guys that we have here. And um, but again, it goes back to my, I, I, I have not been a huge fan of this draft. I haven't, you know, I think last year's class, there's no, I, I he would not have been a first rounder for me um, in last year's class. I think that it's, it was too talented. Um, you know, so if you take his season this year, and take last year's class. I don't think that there would have been a, a spot for him um, for me in that in that first round range. So it's kind of interesting to look back. But I, you know, I think that as I as I mentioned, you know, going that blender that we talked about, and even going deeper into sixty, and I, I would say that's actually probably more accurate. Is that there's a lot more, they're a lot closer when you get kind of towards that end of that second round. Um, I think part of that is due to the fact that you know everybody's kind of just you know, okay. You know, I don't think there's a lot of guys that really excite me in this class. Schneider certainly isn't one of them, even though I have him as high as I do, but that's, I think that's kind of indicative of my, my outlook on this class as well. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. And, and uh, I, I just want to actually just put this back to Willows for a chance to rebut. Do you have anything else you want to add on Schneider or just on the draft in general? Um, not really. I think most of most things have been said. Uh, you know, I think it all. I think a lot of it. Like, I think what Chris touched on that that is important to note is the tactical approach of it. You know, is is Braden Schneider being told to dump pucks a whole lot? You know, because because I've seen him. You know, have all the time in the world to make decisions and and just hand possession back to the opposing team. So if that's something that Brandon just does systematically, then okay. Like I, for sure, that, that would be something that, you know, is missed in the work that, that I do. But at the same time, when you look at, you know, what's the alternative with him, you know, if you're a defenseman, you, you break pucks up the ice either by carrying it, which in my opinion, Schneider isn't fantastic at, or you do it by passing pucks, which according to my data so far, he's also not particularly good at. So, you know, is that, is he dumping pucks because he's told to, or is that because that's, you know, what he's capable of? And if, and in in my view in the NHL, you know, he's not the most mobile guy. So when guys, you know, does he become a guy who does get targeted with a lot of defensive transitions? Like, yeah, maybe in junior, they're not targeting him because they're afraid of him breaking up those transitions. But, you know, if that mobility, I mean, he is very old for the class. So, if he gets to the point where that mobility is already a step behind or, or two steps behind when he hits pro, then 
you know, will then teams turn around and start targeting him there? And, and with the lack of reps that he's getting now, will that get exposed? I don't know. I, I honestly, you, you can't, I don't have a crystal ball in front of me. Um, but, you know, in terms of the draft in general, I think that what, what we're kind of missing is that I think the B-level talent pool is so much larger than last year's. Mm, I yeah. think that the, I think that the, the, and that's kind of making people think that, you know, because there are so many people in that pool relative to last year, that it might seem like the whole draft might be a little bit kind of eh. But I mean, uh, like the guys that we're talking about are in any other year on paper, you know, probably from a data perspective, really, really good looking players. But, you know, we haven't even gotten to a couple of other guys that, you know, produce extremely well relative to historical standard. And there might be guys who go in the second round. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how things shake out. I, with Schneider, for me, it's just a database perspective and like a taste thing with me where I just don't think that, you know, using a first round pick on a guy that you think will probably be a okay defensive player at the end of the road, when there's a lot of this B level talent with really good flashes and maybe a longer runway ahead of them to figure it out. I, I still would rather look at that. And there's just a lot of guys that I think have bumped Schneider down, you know, time and time again, just in my personal view. Yeah, for sure. And lots of great points made on Schneider from both of you guys. But I think we should move on to the third prospect of the debate today, because this is the one I've been looking forward to the most, and that's Murat Kuznetinov. Uh, he's been kind of turned into a meme of sorts with all of the, with some of the hype surrounding him. Uh, and some of that's been started by you, Will, as well. Yeah. So uh, I'm glad we can have you on to talk about him today. <laughs> um, so he's a five foot nine uh, centerman playing in the MHL in Russia. Uh, he's a player that could go anywhere from the first to third round. He's been kind of divisive as well. Um, there's just kind of a lot of uncertainty about how teams view him too. Um, so as for you guys, uh, this is your most disagreed prospect actually as Will, You have him all the way up at 14th. Well, Chris, you have him outside of the first round at 38th. So uh, starting with Will, uh, can you just give us a rundown of uh, why you love Marat? Sure. So I'm fully, fully admitting that I'm sticking my neck out for him more than I probably should. Uh, I, I completely see the criticisms of him, uh, especially from an offensive perspective. But from what I've seen of him, that the data that I've looked at, you know, he started the year in a bottom six role on a ridiculously talented team. Uh, you know, he he worked his way up after Christmas. He just hit another gear. He got more ice time. He was playing with better line mates, uh, you know, older line mates, guys who can really shoot it. Um, and he, in the work that I did, he is the, he has about as many pass attempts and completed passes per 60 minutes as most defensemen that I've tracked. Uh, and I believe the player that just dethroned him from that in my work is Marco Rossi. Now, Kuznetinov plays in the Russian Junior League, which is not a league where it's easy to pick and choose, you know, what you like and don't like. It's it's a pretty greasy league, to be honest, um, especially when you have good teams like SKA's junior team playing bad teams. But in that league, I ignore all the bad teams. I pretty much focus entirely on tracking guys like SKA, CSKA Moscow, you know, and there's a few other high level junior programs in Russia mm -hmm. that when they play each other, you definitely want to pay attention. So all the data that I tracked on Kuznetinov uh, ignores those lower level teams. And he did struggle uh, whenever he played a team like Loco, which is a bigger, stronger, I guess, more physical team out of Russia. But what I see out of Kuznetinov is really sort of just a guy who commands the ice when he's on the ice. Just a guy who, to me, is what I want out of a center. He moves extremely well. He's aggressive in the offensive and defensive and neutral zones. You know, he can sneak up on you with his stick and turn pucks over. You know, he he prevented defense extremely well, but his offensive ability, I think, is extremely underrated. You know, he pushed pucks up the ice with control tremendously well with a lot of efficiency. Um, you know, the only downsides to his games that are on paper are offensive. I think, you know, he was getting more than average high danger shot attempts, but you know, he was getting a lot of low danger ones as well, which is t pretty typical of, of Russian junior leagues. Um, but I think that with him, he shows more than enough speed and skill and just raw tools to build into a more successful offensive player. And again, once he got put with older, more experienced line mates on a really good junior team, he started to produce extremely well. And we've seen guys like Grigory Denisenko get drafted in the first round, uh, play in this league, 
with well below Marat Kuznodinov's production. And when you combine that with Kuznodinov being a guy who Russia brought to the under-18s last spring uh, as a double underager or whatever you want to call it, uh, and and having him you know, really play a big role internationally for that team already, I was really excited to see him at the World Under-18s this year. He doesn't turn 18 until July. You know, Considering how far his game came this year and how impressive he was from what I saw at the World Junior A, I think he's really, really undervalued, and I'm certain that I have him ranked really, really high relative to most people. But that more is about me thinking about risk and saying, all right, you know, if he's available, I expect him to be available in the second round. So if I'm picking in the high end of the second round and I've already got another higher-end guy that I really believe in, Murad is a guy that I easily could look at as saying, okay, maybe at the end of the day he's a good defensive center in the National Hockey League, but... There's a lot of tools there that I think could really, really help him turn into at least a competent offensive player with decent production abilities. And I think there's a long runway for him. Totally. And for Chris, is there anything about his game that kind of bumps him down for you? Um, I think some some of it will touch on. Like for me, you know, I think the, the having consistent offensive impact i mean i think that would help the fact that you know he at his size i think that you know you would probably like to see a little bit more you know one-on-one kind of skill i think that he's i i love marat like i mean like i'm i'm a fan and and the thing is is i have no problem with with will you know sticking his neck out for for guys that guys that you like i mean we do that for 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 certain players uh every year and i think that that's a totally fair guy to get get behind i mean the things that i love about him is just, his motor, he skates real well. You know, he gets up and down the ice and gets around players well. Um, it, you know, I think that I, I was at the World Under-18s last year, and so it was kind of nice to see guys like him really stand out and, and, and have a role with with a team that, you know, went to the gold medal game last year and, and the fact that they, he could be relied on in a, in, in a variety of situations. And, you know, the, the numbers – you know, weren't necessarily inspiring, but you could certainly see the aspects that that made him, you know, an underager on an under eighteen team that doesn't typically have a lot of them, um, unless they feel like they really need them. So, so I thought that was interesting. Um, certainly, in his, uh, you know, I, I I wasn't at the Holinka Gretzky Cup, but I watched his games, and then I also was at the World Junior A Challenge, and that was where you know the games were heavier, they were a little harder to to create. But what what I liked about him is the even though he didn't produce, especially in the in the World Junior A Challenge where they're you know playing USHL and 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 you know Canadian hockey or Canadian Junior Hockey League teams or players I should say. Um, he you know he he made an impact on the game with his feet. He made an impact on the game in terms of his uh, you know the 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 way that he could per, put pressure on defenders. Um, and, and also just, he's, he was a pain in everybody's side, just the way that he, that he plays. So I think, I think that, you know, when you are his size, there has to be, you know, I, I don't like to dock guys for size. I just think that there has to be a little bit more to the, to, to what he brings. I think, you know, the hands could be a little bit better. I think that, you know, his, his game to game consistency in terms of his offensive ability. I mean, I certainly with the games that, that I watched from the MHL, you started to see this is a guy that's really starting to put it together. Um, I, I think that there's, you know, there's a good chance that he won't go until later uh, than the second round. Even I hope, I hope it doesn't happen because I think he's a guy that that could uh, could make an impact. But you also have to taking into consideration, you know, where he plays and who he plays for, and you know, and and uh, the fact that he's been so highly regarded in the Russian international system already. I'm sure he's a player that they value quite highly. Um, which should say a lot to NHL teams, but it also is a bit of a signal to say, um, you know, he might be a little bit tougher to get out of there unless he feels pretty confident that he's going to be, you know, a, a, an everyday NHLer. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes. But I, I'm, I'm a fan, and I have no issue with uh, Will sticking his neck out for a guy like that. Totally, and, and you can count me as a fan too. And, and he just brings so much tenacity to the game that right. that's really that's really drawn me to him. And uh, I mean, you both kind of mentioned this a little bit, but his just his raw production didn't really ramp up until the second half of the season. So I guess for Will, do you treat that as more as a as a sign of risk that maybe there was something missing in the first half, or do you think that maybe he just has more of a steeper development slope, or maybe do you think his age even has a factor in that? Um. So. From what I saw, you know, so when I do my tracking work, I really only, uh, I focus on just doing one game per month. So I want to see how the player evolves over the season and how their ice time changes and, you know, how their game evolves if it does. 
And what it felt like with Kuznodinov was, you know, he he was played with, I would say, okay line mates earlier on. Uh, a guy, guys like um, I'm trying to remember. I think Ilya Rogov, or I think was one of. His, anyway, uh, anyway, he he wasn't playing with the most talented line mates early on in the year. There was the first game I tracked of him though uh, was a nine nothing win over Spartak Moscow's junior team. So sometimes even when you take the two good teams and play them against each other, uh, there can be blowouts there. But he was setting up plays in that game, and you know it was really clear to me that that he was doing things where I went, okay, over time this should work its way out. You know, he was doing things like retrieving pucks behind the net and using his edges to just spin around and throw it in front of the net, and the guy in front of the net wasn't ready for it and just whiffed on the shot. So you know, where do you place that? You know, I I saw him hit the post a couple of times. You know, I, at the same time in another game, I wasn't tracking it, but I saw him try to do a lacrosse goal in stride from around behind the net. And that was, I mean, that's something where it's like, okay, sure. In the NHL, you won't see that very often. Obviously, it's kind of just meme-worthy. But it makes you think. You go, okay, someone who doesn't have a lot of offensive tools just tried to do that and just about pulled it off in full stride. So I don't know really about what caused the sort of lack of production early. But, you know, he was wearing a letter for parts of the year with this team, considering most of the guys on his team were, you know, 20, some were even 21 you know, he really made guys like Alexander Gordon uh, and, and Alexei Siplikov look a lot better once he started quarterbacking that line. And to me, like the main thing I really love about Marakus Nadinov is that he kind of plays the role of center the way that if I'm a coach or if I'm a general manager, how I want my centers to play. He's aggressive at both ends of the ice. He covers a ton of ice. Uh, he's quick. He's skilled. He can take a pass. He can move the puck. He's not selfish. You know, he's a he's a good play facilitator as sort of that football midfielder, which is, I believe, how I characterized him in, in the video report I made. He's a good, just sort of all-around offense and defensive guy who can chip in and just facilitate play, move pucks up the ice with control. Like, he needs to get stronger on his feet. That is certain, I think. Uh, you know, he's a little bit slender. He can get rubbed out along the boards a little bit easily. And in, in defensive transitions, he could do a little more to, to break up more than he does. But... When it comes time to when plays stuck around the boards or turning play up the ice, I mean, he's he's fantastic at it. And, you know, I think over time, it just was a matter of certain bounces going his way, line mates getting a little bit better, uh, and and just having more reps with more ice time, I thought. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, he certainly packs that offensive, uh, definitely some parts of that offensive skill set that are definitely appealing uh, for a lot of teams, I'm sure. Uh, but to, over to Chris. Um, just because there are still some missing factors, how do you kind of parse through that with prospects and, and figure out, um, are, there, are there any sort of aspects that you look for that are maybe signs that one prospect could maybe have a better chance of improving them? Well, yeah, I think, you know, just, you know, trying to trying to see how that player thinks the game. And, and I think the work ethic, the on-ice work ethic can, can go a long way when it when it's combined with, you know, a base of talent that, that um projects favorably towards the NHL. I think that's one of the things that really keeps Marat, you know, kind of what I would consider high on my own list, um, even though it's, you know, kind of early second round range. Um, and I think it's the motor, the the ability, you know, just his his willingness to do whatever he can to get the puck. I think there's, there is such a, you, you know, you mentioned that tenacity. And I think that's one of the things that, that, you know, when you're a smaller guy, you have to have that has to be part of it. You have to be able to skate. You have to have that that tenacity, that lack of fear, the the ability to, you know, to go after pucks and try to get under guys. You know, and I think that's like one of the things that why Marco Rossi at his size continues to be such a highly regarded player is because he not just because of the numbers that he put up, but because, you know, he's got a little bit of a bulldog mentality uh, when it comes to you know getting after the puck. And so, so that's kind of the things that I that I look for to to kind of bridge the gap and say you know if he does these things, if he continues to do these things, will, you know, like, as Will mentioned, you know, maybe he becomes a, a two-way guy. Maybe it's a middle six guy that, um, you know, that can, that can be a matchups guy for you. Um, you know, I think that that's, that's kind of what I like to see um, in, in players is like, you know, do, does he have the versatility? And I think that that's one thing that Marat has, he has versatility and that's, you know, if that, if he can't be a, a productive player, can he do other things? And I think that he can't. Yeah, it's interesting, and I mean, we're all we've all kind of declared ourselves as fans as, as 
fans of Murat at this point. So I think we should move on to the final player that I want to talk about, and that is Aussie Wiesblatt, who, uh, for all those who, who followed my best name bracket from last month, might remember him <laughs> with his tight battle against Primo Self in the quarterfinals. But uh, Wiesblatt's uh, a fantastic player, too. Uh, he's a right winger. He plays for the WHL's Prince Albert Raiders, uh, where he, he actually helped them to the WHL title last season. Um, some of you, you may remember him from uh, uh, Sens prospect Parker Kelly was there as well. So uh, he's currently projected as a second or third rounder. But Chris, of the 30 plus sources I'm currently tracked, you actually have him the highest at 24th, which I found interesting. Uh, whereas, Will, you have him in the second round at 43rd. So uh, starting with Chris, what do you like about uh, Wee Splat's game so much? Yeah, well, I think he's got some some quick hands. Uh, you know, I think that the skill level is is kind of one of the things that stands out for me. Um, I think, you know, the fact that he was one of the top scorers among U18 players in the WHL certainly helps his case, um, you know, in terms of, you know, the, the production matching the skill a little bit more. You know, I think that he can be a driver um, if, if, if everything goes right. What I will say about this range in my board, like, I, you know, I don't see that, you know, these guys are, they're we're, we're into the B pool at this point, you know, like we're into the, we're, we're, we're off of the, you know, the top players in, in the draft. And so I start looking at things that I value, um, you know, more. And I think that that, again, there's some tenacity in his game. I think that there's, you know, he, he goes, he gets after it, you know, he's, he, he does, he does not have, you know, uh, a great, uh, necess- you know, he doesn't have great size. He doesn't have, you know, he still needs to get stronger. There are things in his game. Um, but, but I still think that, you know, for me, um, I just didn't see a lot of other players uh, that that had you know the kind of the kind of puck skills, the the vision, you know, the the ability to kind of make guys around him uh, better. I think he can do that. Um, but yeah, it's it's. I think when we got when we got to this range, this is when I started cringing every time I started ranking guys because I was like, I just you know I think they're so close. And so for me, it ended up being, you know, his, his ability to play with skill um, is a reason that I had him ahead of, you know, other guys, including, you know, the aforementioned Marat and, and uh, players like that, because I think that they're, if you have that basis skill to start with, and I think he has the work ethic to go along with it, then I can see that, you know, I can project a little bit more comfortably that I think you can be a productive player at the next level. Um, and, and the fact that, you know, he goes from being kind of a bit player as a young guy on the team last year, uh, to really being an offensive catalyst this year. Um, you know, I like seeing that progression in a player's game when they seize that opportunity. And there's no question that, you know, you have to take, you know, things like production and, 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 you know, role, especially when guys are on stronger teams, you know, you, you have to take those all into account, but, um, it's not like a situation where I'm super passionate about Ozzy Wiesblatt and said, you know, he's got to, he's got to be a first rounder. I think once we get to this range, it's more, um, he fit for me at that point. And it, it I think that kind of speaks to my lack of passion for the B pool in this, in this draft. I mean, you know, it's, it's, he, he, he was there. I just had him ahead of the other guys. It, 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 I'll always do that either or would I rather have this guy or that guy. And he kept, bouncing up because of that yeah and for sure just looking at your rankings i mean he, he definitely follows in that kind of next tier for both of you so i guess to will uh is there anything that you have less high on we spot or is it just a matter of you have certain guys that you prefer more than others uh it's a it's a kind of combination of both like we've been talking a little bit during this whole discussion about risk uh you know i really to be perfectly honest, I totally agree with Chris when it comes to Wiesblatt's skill uh, and 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 just what he's capable of doing on the ice in terms of raw talent. I, I do really like what he brings to the game. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, I think there's players out there who are may, might one at a time sort of bump him down a, a little bit for me. You know, I'm, I have concerns about, you know, I think he's a, a bit of an undersized player who might have trouble projecting uh, based on, you know, yeah, sometimes there's a work ethic there that, that might overcome a, a lack of size or, or physical strength, but at the same time, some it's not always there. Uh, you know, I, I think that there's, you know, in terms of intensity, in terms of keeping his head in the game, moving pucks with control, he could be, you know, better at it. Uh, but there are things in, in the game that he is, quite good at and that comes out in the data that, that that I've tracked. I mean, he's not the best possession player in terms of preventing defense uh or in, in terms of, you know, suppressing an offense, I should say. Uh you know, and his defensive metrics aren't particularly fantastic, but 
in terms of his skill and his offense, I, I've also found him to be, especially in transition, a pretty intelligent player. I mean, I think he's a bit of an undersized player who's aware of his of his weaknesses and mm-hmm. He will, you know, do little, like, he really reminds me uh, a similar player in this draft, I think, is Brendan Brisson, I think. You know, Brisson's a center. I've seen Wiesblatt play center a little bit this year. And I think that the, their style of play kind of kind of works uh, similarly, where, you know, Wiesblatt might be more of a high in the defensive zone slash neutral zone type player who can, you know, your defenseman can send the puck to him and then he makes a quick pass up to a winger who's streaking up the wing and Wiesblatt provides support from there. I've seen him do that quite a lot. And I think that that's a good role for him. Like keep the, you know, a player who can be really good keeping attention away from him. But if he is under pressure, he has enough skill to evade that pressure. Uh, So maybe that's the type of role that he plays in the National Hockey League. But for me, it's a question of where that takes him. And at five on five, he's not a bad player at all. Uh, I I also don't have a full data set on him yet. I wanted more for today, but I, I couldn't get there. But there's enough to make some judgment. Uh, and, and I like him, but again, like guys in the first round, I'm looking for things that I can really highlight as, okay, this is what they're going to do in the National Hockey League, and this is what they do at a really high level. And with Wiesblatt, like, I love the skill, you know, he's a he's a good enough skater, uh, you know, he, he makes his shot attempts count in the games that I've tracked, uh, he, you know, he, he's a good quarterback for a line, but I'm not sure if the whole package is quite enough to really warrant uh, being more than I would say uh, a, a pick in the 40 to 60 range right now. But you could make the pitch to me early in the second round that he should be going. But uh, just for me, there's other guys that I think bring more to the table in in, in more areas. Totally. And yeah, he definitely has this uh, uh, nice rounded skill set of all the positive, positives you guys mentioned. So I'm just wondering for Chris, with all these, uh, with all these elements of his skill set, how do you think uh, he projects maybe to higher levels? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's one of the questions I still have, you know, and I, I, I think for me, it just came down to, you know, if he can if he can make these kinds of plays and he can continue to make these kinds of plays and he does need to get stronger. And, and I, I think that there's, you know, if, if he can do those things, then I think, you know, he could he could slide into a middle six, be a scoring depth guy. And I don't think that there are a lot of guys in this in this draft that you say, oh, this guy is clearly a top six, you know, has top six in his future. And you know, I, it's, it is interesting, you, you know, like Brisson is kind of in a similar range for me. And, and so it was kind of interesting to hear his name pop up because I do think that there are a lot of similarities there. And I think that they, they both have similar deficiencies at times as well. Um, and, and to speak to Will's point too, about what, you know, what is he going to be at the NHL level? I, I think that I have that question about so many players in this draft mm-hmm. that it, that's a big mm-hmm. thing where it's just like, you know, there are so many guys that are, have, have, you know, a lot of good traits, but so few elite traits. I even think that that's true of like a Brisson where, you know, I, he is in my first round range as well, but he's a guy that, uh, that, you know, it's like, okay, what does he do better than anybody else in this draft? Maybe you could say like, okay, maybe he shoots off the passes better than anybody, but that's such a small thing. Like that's not something that I would absolutely, you know, kind of make a separating factor. That's why I value, the hand skills so much is because I think that guys that have the hand skills that have the ability to create, if he can do that and the, that can help mitigate some of the size concerns for me. And I think that the the quickness that, that he can play offensively um, matters. And so those are the, those are the things where I say, okay, well, this is a guy that if, if everything goes right, um, I feel like he can solidly project into a middle six scoring depth role. Um, And, and I think that I would take my chance I, you know, he's a guy I'm taking a risk on with this, with this level of, of, uh, you know, where I have him and on my board and say, I think that, you know, he can, he can produce if he, you know, if kind of everything works right, but there's a, there's a big development job ahead. I think that's true of, of so many guys in this class, much more than last year's class. Um, and I think even the class before, they're just guys that, that you are going to have to spend a lot more time with. Um, and it's going to come down to teams kind of going off of those preferences. Like I said, you know, I've got a preference on, on hand skills and that's why, you know, that pushed him ahead of, of several of the other guys that, that are just behind him on my list. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I guess last question to Will, just a, a little bit more about projectability. You mentioned he played a bit of center uh, as well as right wing this year. So I'm wondering, do you think there is the chance that he could project as a centerman or do you find that maybe he'll stay as a winger or and how do you find that his skill set might tie into that? 
I think that in the right system, he could. Uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, it's funny that today uh, in the uh, Athletic, there was an article with Jack Hahn who, who goes over, you know, a player like Pierre Engvall, who, you know, he's obviously a very different style of player to Ozzy Wiesblatt. But, but the thing about Pierre Engvall that was very interesting is that they started playing him at center when he had very little experience doing so. But they mostly did it because of the, the boxes that he checks with his talent. And I think that Ozzy Wiesblatt checks a lot of the boxes to be a certain brand of center. You know, he's not the, the most incredible skater I've ever seen, but he seems to be smart enough to do it. He's not irresponsible. Uh, you know, the, 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 the real only big downside away from the puck that I've seen with him is a bit of a physical side of things. You know, he seems to get knocked around a little bit too much. But at times, again, he kind of doesn't. I mean, it's kind of inconsistent with him, but... In terms of being that, again, like I mentioned, that quarterback-style, middle-of-the-ice guy who can facilitate transition up the ice and, and play patient, sort of pace-control hockey and be aware of where his wingers are. If he, if he needs to diffuse pressure, he has the skill to do it, you know, at a pretty high level. Get it to a defenseman if you, if you have the room and, and can spot him. You know, he's not going to do things that I don't think he's capable of. And I think that as a center, you want someone capable of playing at both ends of the ice uh, at least responsibly from a positional sense. And then when you have the puck back away from the puck, you, you need to know what to do with it and how to be responsible mm -hmm. with it without yeah. losing it. And I think he checks those boxes. Awesome. Well, I think that wraps it up for the debate portion of this, of this episode. Uh, I just want to give you guys both a quick chance to shut out any late round sweeper picks you might have, just players that uh, you might be uh, a bit more high on than others, some players that might have caught your eye. So uh, let's starting with Chris, who are some of your sweeper picks? Yeah, this is a completely ridiculous sleeper because I don't think any, I, I doubt he gets picked, but he's a kid. <laughs> he's, you know, he's, he's a, I, I like the kid. I, I think that there's, I think there's an opportunity there for, for a team. You know, there's a, I think he might be a guy that you would rather wait a year and see how he is as a second year draft eligible. Uh, but that's Aiden Campbell, the goalie from Erie. Um, he, he's huge. Uh, he's, he's, he's competitive. He's athletic. You know, his numbers are terrible. Uh, he was on a bad team. Um, you know, I, but, but I, I mean, I, I happened to watch some games, obviously I was watching Drysdale, um, you know, primarily, but I wanted, I happened to be at a game that he started. Um, and, and I, that, that's when kind of where he caught my eye. And I, I feel like there's a lot of opportunity there for him to, he, there's just a lot of rawness to him. And obviously, you know, you look at the size, he's six foot five, um, you know, central did list him. Um, which is which I I was I was kind of moderately surprised they did. Um, so he's a guy that I think if you're I'm talking like late seventh and you're and you're just like <laughs> hey you know we got a chance like he's a guy that I would I would I would take a flyer on. Um, you know when I when I write about my sleepers I'm going to list them on that uh, just as as a guy that is completely out of left field. Like last year I had a, quite a few guys on my list or uh, not quite a few but a few that. Uh, on my sleeper list that didn't get picked um, for one reason or another. And I, and I mean, I just think that you have to find those little elements and say, you know, if I, I think he'll get picked next year, more than likely um, if he continues on the track that he's on, um, you know, I, the game that I saw, he, you know, he did not get a lot of help. And, and I just wonder another year at Erie, if they have a better team, you know, I think he, he's just such a competitor and he has the athleticism and he, he really doesn't have that much experience yet at high, at the highest levels of hockey. Um, so I think that there's, there's still, it, it's, it's a huge projection, but, but he's a guy that I would, I would certainly uh, keep an eye at, on. Um, and then another guy that, that kind of is in the mid range uh, for me um, and a guy that I think I'm a little bit higher on than others uh, is Declan Carlisle, who, who I did list on my top 100. He's a defenseman at Merrimack College. And um, he's another he, he's a guy that I didn't have a lot a, a real good book on. Then I went and saw – I wasn't specifically going to watch him. Um, but I saw him live, and then I started doing a little bit more homework on him. And, and he actually – you know, he had a pretty productive season. He's actually a third-year draft eligible. Um, he, you know, he, he played in, in the, the CJHL and then the USHL. Didn't have great numbers. This year I think he had 18 points. For Merrimack, which is pretty decent for you know for a guy that's you know making that leap, and Merrimack is a team that that is kind of at the bottom of the barrel of hockey East, and so he's playing big minutes. Um, he's going up against top teams. The game that I saw live that 
kind of caught my eye and kept me wanting to learn more about him. He shut down the top line in the country and with Jack Dugan, um, uh, who was the number one scorer. He, that was kind of one of his primary assignments. And then he also contributed a couple of points in that game. Um, you know, good defender, really good on the gaps. He defends entries extremely well. He, He's really good positionally. Um, you know, I think that he's just progressed. And then he he made the Hockey East All-Rookie team this year. Um, and he actually has a, a D partner that's ranked ahead of him by Central, at least, Zach Ewens, who, um, you know, he, he's he's another interesting guy. But those, uh, I, I think Declan Carlisle is a guy that, as I've watched, I think that he has all those tools. He's a guy that if you don't draft him, you're going to end up signing as a college free agent anyway. Um, so I think it would make sense to look at him and try to get him in the mid rounds. Um, I think like Central might have had him in the in the like the one thirties of North American skaters or something like that. So um, that's a guy that I could see going in the mid rounds that that you would get some good value on just because I think that there are a lot of traits that he showed this year and will continue to show as he gets you know more and more ice time. I mean he's probably going to play twenty five minutes a night next year for Merrimack. Um, so I think those are the kinds of things that I. I think I'm looking for in a sleeper is that's guys to me, that's a safe sleeper pick. Um, you know, a guy that is kind of already ahead in his development. And, and I think we're seeing more second and third year draft eligible guys because um, it makes sense. And, and so he's a guy that, uh, that I, that I feel pretty strongly about should go uh, should, should, should be a pick this year and a guy that the teams are going to get some good value on. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting names for sure. And I guess same quick, same question to Will, uh, who are some of your sleeper picks? Do you think, I before I get into it, I love the Aiden Campbell one. That's great. I yeah. I love that. That was that was not what I was expecting, but good good for you. That was great. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, I, I I guess I'll do sort of one completely off the board and one sort of more on the board. So completely off the board is a guy that I've liked more and more the more I watch, and that's Vladimir Mashkov. He plays in Russia uh, for Omsk's junior team, which is in the weaker conference in in the Russian junior league, but. Uh, you know, he produced really, really well. He's a guy who I think bucks the trend of, of a lot of players in that league who, you know, really tend to shoot from low danger, uh, who, who don't drive a lot of danger on their own, you know, would be more than happy to make haphazard passes to line mates and, and, and miss the target mm-hmm. and just sort of deal with it. I mean, it happens all the time, but he doesn't really do that. Uh, his numbers are really, really good for, for, for a player in his league. You know, last year I, I was drawn to Arseny Gritsyuk. Uh, when he was kind of a guy no one was really talking about. And he's teammates with with Mashkov. Um, but but Mashkov, you know, he gets about 65%, uh, sorry, he gets a primary point on about 65% of goals at, five, at, at even strength when he's on the ice, which is really good for a forward, especially someone unranked. Uh, you know, he, he's a good, skilled guy who fights through pressure and, you know, he plays with a lot of determination and I wouldn't be shocked to see him maybe be a CHL import guy later on. He's unranked. So maybe I take a look at him, you know, again, like, like Aiden Campbell, like late seventh, just see what happens with him because I, <laughs> yeah. I like what I've seen out of him. Uh, the the more well-known name that I really would go to bat for compared to where he's been ranked uh, is Daniel Gustin, who, you know, plays for Muskegon in the USHL. He's small, uh, but, you know, again, those guys that play with a bit of determination that can overcome sort of their weaknesses, I, I think Gustin has a lot of it. Uh, you know, he, 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 his team in terms of his offense wasn't particularly fantastic, but his two-way numbers look great. Uh, like we just talked about, even strength of goals with a primary point, Gustin's over 70%, which is remarkable. Uh, if you include secondary assists, it goes up to 80%. So, you know, he, he's chipping in offensively a tremendous amount. I think he's underrated defensively as well. Uh, and I think that if, you know, he's ranked 40-something by NHL Central Scouting right now. So if that's a player that you can add in the second or third round, uh, that then that's something that I certainly take a good hard look at. You know, I have him personally ranked in the first round. I love his skill. I love how hard he works on the ice. You know, he, 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 he has a really underrated two-way game. Um, and I think there's a lot to like with, with Gushin. And then, you know, Mashkov is sort of the total off the board pick that I haven't spoken a whole lot about, but, you know, I've always liked how Omsk develops their, their young guys. They, they have a really good MHL team. They play really well together. Uh, you know, and a lot of those young guys, they're not afraid to sort of bump them up into the VHL like they did with guys like Gritsik this year. Um, so, you know, maybe Mashkov stays over in Russia for a while, but he's a guy who just gives me a good gut feeling if he's available late in the draft. Uh, and I get the feeling that other teams might 
do the same, especially guys who saw Gritziuk, you know, come as far as he did at the end of last season and end up getting drafted. Awesome. Well, we got a lot of our sleeper Russian picks this time. And so just so our readers can know where to find your work, uh, we'll just go Chris and Will. Uh, where, can our, where can our listeners find you? Well, for for me, uh, you can go to ESPN.com. Uh, most of my stuff is on ESPN+. And uh, so that's, that's where you can find it, obviously, on Twitter as well. And I just wanted to say before we go, too, is that, you know, Will, I think you're one of the rising stars, man, in this uh, – in this whole uh, prospect world, it's been fun to watch kind of, you know, your growth and everything. And I think it's, uh, it's, it's an honor to, uh, to be on the podcast with you. Oh, thanks, Chris. That, that really means a lot. Thanks. <laughs> and where can we find your, where can we find your work, Will? Yeah. So uh, I'm on uh, mostly these days, most active on YouTube. So youtube.com slash scouching, everything is up there. Uh, after this is over, I'm putting up another one and, uh, and hopefully finishing another one after about 5 PM tonight. So, Busy, uh, busy times on YouTube. I'm also on Twitter at Scouching. Uh, I don't post as much on Instagram, but I have a, a, an account there, uh, which is Scouching underscore Will. And uh, you can also, if you want to support the project directly, uh, I take donations on Patreon, where you get access to data sheets, um, you know, a ton of visualizations in Tableau to visualize all the data that I manually track, uh, as well as the data that I automatically feed into a, a big giant spreadsheet. Uh, as well as, you know, there's a Discord server and all kinds of other stuff that you can check out. So that's patreon.com slash scouching as well. So uh, yeah, it, it's been great. Uh, it's It's been a good time getting to know Chris Peters a little bit, the, the illustrious Chris Peters. Uh, and yeah, this this was a good time, guys. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, guys. And also for Will, uh, be sure to catch his live streams as well. I'll, I'll be there in the chat as well. So uh, glad to have you guys both on. I really appreciate you taking the time today. As I wrap it up, a reminder that you can find the Cosper Pointcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. And if you really like it, you can rate review it on those platforms as well. You can find me on Twitter at CutmoreColin and re- read my writing at Silver7Cents. And for Trevor, even though he wasn't on this episode, you can find him on Twitter at ShackTS. And for our podcast, you can follow us on Twitter together at CPPointCast, where you will be the first to find out about new draft baiters in future episodes, and also be able to submit listener questions as well. Stay safe, everyone. We'll be back with two more episodes next week with a hotly contested rematch on the way. That's all for today, folks. Adios.